Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Good morning, good afternoon, whenever you're watching this, welcome to Legacy Nashville Church. I'm Pastor Lyle and so delighted to spend this Sunday with you. I'm giving that greeting today because it seems like there are people all over the world that have been tuning in with our local church here in Nashville. So I want to welcome all of you guys into our family. If you are a part of this local family, you've probably been tracking with Allison and I over the past couple of weeks because we have brought a brand new baby girl into the world. Her name is Rua Grace. She is our third child. And I want to start by testifying and thanking Jesus for allowing her to come home this week and be with us, her family. She was in the NICU for almost two weeks, you guys. And because of all the chaos happening with COVID, they wouldn't actually let fathers into the NICU. So for the first two weeks, almost two weeks of her life, I couldn't see her except through uh, like a video screen. I couldn't hold her, hug her. It was so heartbreaking, you know, it was so hard. But you guys have been praying for me. You guys have been praying for Allison, my bride. You guys have been praying for Rua to step up her appetite and to eat more so that she could come home. And so I just want to start with a big testimony that is Rua is home. And I'm so very excited for that. You know, it was kind of tough in the midst of not being able to see her for almost two weeks. I was starting to feel a little angry. I was I was like Googling how to jailbreak my child from the NICU. Now, I know that might not sound safe and it never got too serious, but listen, I was getting angry not being able to hold my baby. And so I'm thinking of all these different ways and all of these different strategies that I might be able to see her. And in the midst of plotting that, Allison, my wife, spoke to me and she said, you know what you ought to do? You ought to go and do what you preached about last week. Uh Uh-oh. Isn't that the case? Your wife is the greatest uh, revealer of sin in your life, fellas. I know it's tough, but it's true sometimes. And she reminded me of what I preached here last week, which was praise and prison bars. She said, you know, you should just go out and give God the kind of praise that breaks prison bars. And so I went on a prayer walk and it was Tuesday morning, actually. I think it was Tuesday morning, Tuesday or Monday morning. You ought to just go and and pray and pray. So I started to do that on my prayer walk and I hadn't finished praying and praising for Rua for even five minutes. Allison called me and she said, hey, guess what? Rua gets to come home from the NICU. I get to go in tonight and stay with her. They're gonna release her tomorrow in the morning. And so praise God, I can testify to the fact that baby girl Rua is home And I can also testify to the fact that our prayers, and not just me, our family's prayers, and our praise, it works. The Bible teaches us that the prayers of the righteous, to use some King James Version language, availeth much, meaning our prayers of great faith, our praise that shakes prison bars is very effective and effectual, and it makes a difference when we step out to pray, 
to praise, to go after God as a community of presence people. And that's what I want to do today, church. I want us to continue in our sermon series called Presence People that we've been tracking on for quite some time now. But I really think it's appealing to the DNA of the house. It's what God has put in us to steward. We, Legacy Nashville Church, are presence people. Our mission statement is love God, love people, change the world. Say that with me. Love God, love people, change the world. I want you to remember that. That's our mission statement. But we often joke that our mission statement could be, we just want to be around God doing stuff. Because we're presence people. We want to be wherever God is. Wherever the presence is not is exactly where we do not want to be. We want to be around God doing stuff. We're presence people. And as I was thinking this week about what I would share from the Word of God on this topic of being presence people, and I was thinking about praying and interceding and praising for um, my baby girl, Rua, to be released from the hospital, as I know you guys have been praying with this. This is really a family testimony. I continued to hear the infamous passage of Scripture from Zechariah. You'll remember this. It's not by might. It's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. If you grew up in church, you remember hearing that phrase spoken often because it was the best finale to an incredible prophetic word or prayer. I mean, that would get everybody excited, you know? It's not by might. It's not by power, but it's by my spirit. And if you really prophesied well, you'd say, thus saith the Lord. You guys know what I'm talking about. I heard that a lot growing up in church. And that was like what was going on in my heart and head all week. It's like, it's not by might, not by power. It's, it's by the spirit. Rue is gonna get out of the hospital by the spirit. There's gonna be breakthrough by the spirit. There's nothing I can figure out in my own strength. There's nothing I can discern in my own flesh, it's gonna be God's spirit that's gonna bring the breakthrough. So before Rua came home from the NICU, I actually dove into this passage of scripture and I thought to myself, you know, I'm gonna share this. I'm gonna share what I discovered with our legacy Nashville family because I feel like there is some really strong key insights from Zechariah chapter four in regards to this infamous phrase, in the Old Testament scriptures. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So I wanna invite you today, as we step deeper into this sermon series, Presence People, to go to Zechariah chapter four, and we're gonna be reading from verses six to verse 10. So Zechariah four, verses six to 10. Now, Zechariah four as a whole is a very prophetic chapter. There's a lot of prophetic imagery. And if you have some time this afternoon, I would encourage you just to dive into the whole of Zechariah 4 in prayer and to go after discerning what God is speaking throughout the whole chapter. Uh, But for the sake of this sermon, I wanna hone in on verses six, the familiar verse that all of us have heard many times, and then go to verse 10 because I think it's packed full of revelation for us presence people. So Zechariah chapter four, verse six, it says, then he said unto me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain and he shall bring forward the top stone amid 
shouts of grace, grace to it. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His his hands shall also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice. That's familiar. Do not despise the days of small beginnings. You remember that? He shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line, a construction tool, a building tool in the hand of Zerubbabel. And that's exactly where I want to stop today. And we're going to pray as we kick off this sermon entitled, But by my spirit, says the Lord. Can you say that with me today, presence people? But by my spirit, says the Lord. One more time, come on, get it deep down in your heart. By God's spirit, says the Lord. It's not just preaching well, it's coming from the lips of God, all right? By my spirit, says the Lord. That's the name of the message today. Lord, we just submit ourselves to your spirit to start. Lord, we thank you that your spirit is so much more powerful than any of the power we possess within ourselves. And so, Lord, we just begin by waving the white flag of surrender today. And Lord, we say we give up trying to figure out how to do it ourselves in our own way and in our own strength. Lord, I just ask today that you would hijack this message, that you would take over this service by the Spirit of God. Lord, I pray that you would breathe into us and fully possess us by the Spirit of God. I pray that the Spirit of the Lord would receive new definition in our lives as we seek to be led of the Spirit. As you said, Lord, that as many as are led of the Spirit, those are the sons of God, those are the children children of God. And so, Lord, we are your kids. We confess that today, Lord, and we say, pick us up, fill us with your Spirit, lead us by your Spirit, Lord. We wanna be not just Spirit-filled, Lord, we wanna be Spirit-led. And so by your spirit, God, we surrender to that today and we receive it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. So one of the things that I was, I was doing this week as I was, I was reading this, because if you read through all of Zechariah chapter four, I mean, it is mystical in its nature. It is very prophetic. There's a lot of imagination. I mean, I got out a piece of paper and I started to draw uh, Zechariah's vision. Uh, because I was like, this is so interesting. I mean, there's like, um, there's a lampstand, a golden lampstand. There's olive trees. There's there's eyes and lips. I mean, it's a crazy prophetic picture. So I had this paper out and I'm, I'm, I'm starting to draw. And I'm recognizing here that an angel of the Lord, right? God speaks because he's the Lord of hosts. But there's an angel of the Lord present. And there is a prophetic word that is being given to a prophet named Zechariah, the author of this book. And so we have God's angel speaking to God's prophet and Zechariah the prophet is receiving divine revelation to then take and then to share with a man with a really weird and crazy name, which is Zerubbabel. I YouTubed it to make sure I got the pronunciation right. I've never heard, well, I haven't heard a lot of messages on Zerubbabel. So I wanted to preach, teach, encourage today from the prophetic word that came to Zechariah for Zerubbabel. And as I was following this, I'm like, you know what? God didn't just give a prophetic word to Zechariah for Zerubbabel. 
God gave a prophetic word to Zechariah included in the scriptures, included in the word of God, not only for Zerubbabel, but also for me. And I began to get encouraged as I recognized God's word is eternal. God's word is forever. God's word doesn't wither or fade away like the grass. God's word is constant and it's steadfast. And the same prophetic word that Zerubbabel received, I can posture myself today to receive that prophetic encouragement just like Zerubbabel. And so what I did was I read back through the passage and I wanna encourage you to do the same thing. I read back through the passage and everywhere that the Bible mentions Zerubbabel, whom the prophetic word was for, I just put my name in there. And I want you to try that out today and I want you to try that out every now and then as you read through the scriptures. Just as God begins to speak to people, as God begins to you know, speak to our Christian brothers and sisters who've gone before us, just put yourself in the midst of the story and position your heart to receive the same prophetic words. Because the truth about the Bible is, we don't just read the Bible, the Bible reads us. The Bible actually prophesies to the God-given potential within. The, the, The Bible reveals the possibilities of how we might be able to live as we read about those that the Bible writes about and includes. And Uh, Zerubbabel is one of those people. So try this out, guys. Try this out, okay? Zechariah 4, 6 through 10, but I want you to put your name. I'm gonna put my name, but I want you to put your name in the midst of this chapter so that you can receive this prophetic word for yourself, okay? Say it with me. God is prophesying over me. The Spirit of the Lord has something to speak to me. Just speak that over yourself. It says this, verse six. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Lyle. All right, put your name in there. This is the word of the Lord to Lyle. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Lyle, you shall become a plain. Come on, does that not encourage you? Does that not get you excited? Who are you, O great mountain? The word of the Lord is before me, you shall become a plain. You're gonna be moved out of the way. And he shall bring forward the top stone amid shouts of grace. Grace to it, we'll come back to that. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, the hands of Lyle have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord uh, the, God, the Lord of hosts has sent me to you for whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Lyle. Isn't that a cool way to look at that scripture? Did you do it? Did you try it out? If you're watching this back, you know, you can pause, rewind, And make sure you put your name in there because that's really important because God doesn't only have a word for Zerubbabel thousands of years ago, but God has a word for you in 2020, which is this. You are a presence person and you will complete the work that God has given you to do, but it's not gonna come as a result of your power. It's not gonna come as a result of your might, but God guarantees that it's gonna come as a result of the working of his spirit through your life. And so with with that being said, I wanna look at the context a little bit because as you might expect, Zerubbabel has a few challenges happening in his world that are probably, you know, somewhat similar to the challenges happening in your world as it pertains to the word of the Lord coming to pass in your life. I remember Chris Vallotton saying one time, the reason why you get prophetic words is because you're about to need them. Isn't that encouraging? 
You get a prophetic word about how awesome you're supposed to be so that you can be reminded of how awesome you're supposed to be when you go through the greatest storms of your life. We get prophetic words because we're about to need them. So now that you have that prophetic word over yourself, let's look at the prophetic word that Zerubbabel received and consider what's happening in this world. So Zerubbabel, like you, was anointed to be a world changer. He is absolutely 100% called by God to do great things and to make a great difference. Now, God had laid upon the heart of Zerubbabel a really cool project. And if you look at at, at the, the history of what's happening here, you'll recognize that Zerubbabel has a project on his heart, which is this, to rebuild the house of God. He, he has this project on his heart. He, he's, he's working with uh, Joshua. He's working with others. He has this project on his heart to rebuild the house of God. But one of the things that we don't often think about with Zerubbabel is who he actually was. Zerubbabel was a politician, guys. He was a pious po- politician. He was a holy politician, which lets us know there can be good Christian, spirit-filled, spirit-led people in government. And if you feel called to that, we're praying for you and we bless you to pursue that dream in Jesus' name. But that's Zerubbabel in the scripture. He has, a, he has this project. He says, I wanna work with the people of God to rebuild uh, the house of God in the land of the people of God. And, and, and when this is happening, you would think, okay, well, this is a great prophetic word. Zerubbabel has everything he, he needs to accomplish it. But let me, let me just share with you the context. Zerubbabel wants to build a Hebrew temple in occupied territory under Persian rule while governing God's people who've just returned from exile in the midst of violent revolts. That's the context for Zerubbabel fulfilling this prophetic word. Let me read it to you again. Zerubbabel wants to build a Hebrew temple in occupied territory under Persian rule while governing God's people who've just returned from exile in the midst of violent revolts. I read that this week and I got so encouraged. I said, 901 Dale Brook Lane should be no problem for us. To build the house of God over in East Nashville should be no problem for us because we are not facing the challenges that Zerubbabel was facing in his time. He had this project in his heart and it certainly was a God-honoring project But in order to complete his God-honoring project, he needed a God word. He needed a prophetic word. He needed real divine encouragement to rest upon so that he could know as he moved forward that he was doing the right thing. Now, I thought of our kings in the midst of this message. And if you don't go to Legacy, you're watching online, this may not make a lot of sense to you. But for those of you who've been coming for a little while, you'll be reminded that at one point in time, we shared a sermon here on kings and priests, and I couldn't help but to think about our kings in the midst of preparing for this message because Zerubbabel was a king. And I wanna speak throughout this uh, message to our kings, to our business leaders, to our entrepreneurs. I want you to listen up because you know that you've been called by God to build, as was Zerubbabel but are you sure you're building the right thing? Are you sure? You need a word that comes from the presence. That's what Zerubbabel needed. He had a God-honoring project in his heart, but he needed a God word 
so that he could stay focused on the right project at the right time. And then when he faced challenges, he would continue on because of that prophetic word at his back. You need a God word. Zerubbabel needed a God word. He needed to be able to point back to something when times got tough. And that's something we all need. Kings, you need it. Priests, you need it. We all need it. If we're gonna do what God has called us to do, we need prophetic words to stand on. We need to stand on the word of God because let's be reminded, church, the word of God is unshakable. It's an unshakable foundation. And, we, and we, when we go through tough times like Zerubbabel was facing, we have to have these words to stand on. That's another reason to record your prophetic words. Put them in your phone, write them down, transcribe them, keep them in your notebook. Be reminded of them. Go back to them often and remember. Because here's God's promise to you. And if you're, if you're taking notes today, you can kind of write this down as your first point. Here's God's promise to you. You will complete the work that God has given you to do. Let me say it again, church. Here's God's promise to you. Be reminded of this today. You will complete the work. And just speak that over yourself. Say, I will complete the work. What is the prophetic word over your life? What are the prophetic dreams that you've had? What has been spoken over you? What have you received in prayer? What have you thought about? Like, this is possible for me and I feel the wind of the Spirit on it. Can I remind you today that God says you will complete the work that God has given you to do. You will complete it. Look at verse nine. The hands of, um, well, there's a blank there because I want, I want you to put your name. The hands, I'm using myself, the hands of Lyle, have laid the foundation of this house and his hands shall also complete it. Isn't that encouraging? Anything that God has given you to do, church, you will complete it. How do I know? Because I know God doesn't tease his kids. Every single prophetic word that we receive comes wearing a backpack full of grace to complete it. God doesn't just like dangle a carrot out in front of his kids like, I'm gonna trick you into pursuing a prophetic word and never fulfill it. No, if God speaks it, he releases grace to go along with the prophetic word that will enable you by the spirit to complete it. We have to remember that. I, I remember years ago, a spiritual mom reminded me, she said, you know, anything you give birth to in the flesh, you'll have to steward in the flesh. But anything you give birth to in the spirit, the spirit will steward with you. It's something that we need to be reminded of. And that's something that Zerubbabel was reminded of, which is, hey, this God dream has been birthed of the Spirit. Your God dream to go back and to build the house of God for the people of God in the land of God, that, is a, that, that has been birthed of the Spirit. That is a word from the Lord. This is what God has called you to do. And some of you guys need to be reminded of this right now because you have a project in your heart. You have a dream in your heart. Perhaps you're a king. You have a business in your heart. You're an entrepreneur. Perhaps you're a priest. You have a ministry in your heart. You have something in your heart to construct. And you're wondering right now, is this really from the Lord? Zechariah had a prophetic reminder for Zerubbabel in the same way that God has a prophetic reminder for you today, church. The work that God has put in your heart is from Him. It has been birthed of the Spirit. I want you to be reminded of, of it right now. The work that God has put in your hand, here's what He's prophesying over you, you will complete it. Everybody say, I will complete it. You need to be reminded of this. 
My reminder last week was Rua will be released from the hospital. And I needed to be reminded of that and just begin to pray and to praise and to depend upon God because it wasn't about my strategy, but it was about God's spirit. That is what God was reminding me of. God always finishes what he starts. God doesn't quit on projects halfway. God doesn't quit on people halfway. I thank God that I've never heard him speak to me. You know, son, that was the last time I'm ever gonna deliver you. That was the last time I'm ever gonna clean up your mess. That was the last time I'm ever gonna fix that problem for you. No, God doesn't quit on projects halfway through. No, he gave you the project. He gave you the dream. He gave you the work and your hand will also complete it. Zechariah 4 verse 9. You will, do, you, you will do what you're called to do. What you're called to do will happen. But let me throw this out. This kind of point too. I don't really have points today, but you know, kind of take notes here. But it won't happen by might. It will not happen by might. And, and if you dive into the, 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 the word choice here, into the Hebrew, and you look at might, the image here is one of military might. And so, as I mentioned before in the context, Zechariah is, uh, excuse me, Zerubbabel Zechariah's prophesying to Zerubbabel, two Z words, you know, they get confusing. Zerubbabel, he is wanting to build the house of God in the midst of wartime in occupied territory amidst violent revolts. And so I'm sure that when Zerubbabel received this dream, he thought to himself, I'm gonna have to achieve this dream. I'm gonna have to get this project done and I'm gonna have to defend myself physically. I'm gonna need military might. I'm gonna need warriors in my company to defend the people of God as we go through this project because we've got so much going on around us. And the word might here in the Hebrew, it means faculty, it means power. And by definition, it means our ability to affect something or to determine an outcome. Let me say it again. The The word might here, means our ability to determine an outcome. Here's what, the, here's what this tells me. When God says, your dream, what you're called to build, the word that you have, what you're called to do, it's gonna happen, but it's not gonna be by your ability to determine the outcome. Did that hit you in the feels, right? It's not gonna be by your ability to be wise, you will never, <laughs> this is not gonna be that encouraging at, at first glance. You will never be wise enough to complete God's plans in your life. That just goes right against the grain of all of the self-help that we're getting right now online, huh? Okay, let's go a little deeper. You will never be strategic enough to complete God's work in your life. You will not be able to set goals well enough to complete God's work in your life. Nope, you're gonna, be have to, you're gonna have to become a presence person. You're gonna have to become completely dependent upon the spirit of God in order to see God's work happen in your life. You, you're not wise enough. You'll never be strategic enough. You can't set goals well enough. Also, and I'll speak this to the kings, you can't rely on, on commerce. You can't rely on finance. You can't rely on money. Like you'll never make enough money to complete God's work in your life. You know how I know that? Because you cannot buy spiritual fruit. It's impossible, church. God wants you to be blessed. And, and, and we teach on that here. We believe that. That's, that's, 
That's part of, of what we teach. God wants his people to be blessed and he wants to give you so much so that you can give so much to others and change the world around you. But there is no way you can, you can pay for the completion of God's ultimate works in your life because God's ultimate works in your life don't come as the result of your might or your money. They come as the result of his spirit. Why is that? So that he can get all the credit because his is the kingdom. His is the glory. His is the power forever and ever. And it's not for us, right? That's why we have to depend completely on him. He says, listen, what you're called to do is gonna happen, but it's not gonna happen by might. Let's go a little further. What you're called to do will happen, but not only will it not happen by might, church, it's not gonna happen by power either. What is power? The word here means physical strength. It means your energy. It means your focus. And uh, I don't know about you. I, I, I like things to happen and I like things to happen fast. I mean, I literally have Speed Racer tattooed on me. Like, I, I mean, I just, I'm, I'm a go-getter, man. Like, I'm going after it. Like, I'm more of like a shoot than aim kind of guy. Like, I'm like, let's go, you know? So when things are not happening fast enough for me, you know what I down? You know what I do? I just... Well, this is a Kentucky term. I hunker down, right? <laughs> Some of you guys are not gonna understand that. Like, I, I mean, I like, I get focused. I get intense. I mean, I'll wake up at 4.30 a.m. if I have to. Like, I will discipline myself. I'm like, this isn't happening fast enough. This isn't happening well enough. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna take the bull by the horns and I'm gonna get her done. Because know what I'm talking about, right? That's me. That's my personality. But here's the thing. No matter how much energy I throw at a God project in my life, no matter how gritty I get, no matter how much more I try to overpower the problem, no matter how, um, it, it, is, it doesn't matter because none of those things are gonna achieve the, the ultimate work of God in my life. I'm not gonna complete the ultimate work of God in my life through trying to overpower and overtake my problems or get more focused in my own strength. It's only gonna happen as a result of God's spirit. It's like the God, the God work in your life is also not gonna come as a result of you learning how to deploy positive self-talk. Like I'm all for affirmations. I have some like, and they're in my office and I read them over myself. But the work of God is not gonna be completed in your life as the result of your positive affirmations and you looking in the mirror and say, you got this, you're the man, you're amazing, you're the best, you'll be victorious. Those things are all good and they're all encouraging. You can even use power poses. Like I do that sometimes, like before I preach, people think I'm worshiping, but I'm really just doing a power pose. I'm like, I'm awesome, I'm a great preacher. I'm like pumping myself up, you know? Like genuinely, I do this. But none of that, None of that is going to accomplish God's ultimate work in my life. None of it. No matter how good that they might be, it's not going to help me accomplish that work because it is not, that is not the currency that accomplishes God's work in my life ultimately. It is only by the Spirit do those things get accomplished in my life. Remember this, write this down. Human works cannot accomplish God's plans. Write it down. Human works cannot accomplish God's plans. A work of the Spirit is, this is gonna be real deep, a work of the Spirit. Selah. A work of the Spirit is a work of the Spirit. Physical power does not produce spiritual fruit. 
Spiritual fruit is not a byproduct of physical activity. Are you guys hearing me today? I hope this is blessing some of you guys. I can't see you. I don't know what's happening right now, but I just get the sense that there is a spirit of revelation and I see like these light bulbs just lighting up for some of you guys. No matter how hard you work, you cannot complete God's plan in your own power. I hope I'm not the bearer of bad news today. I hope this is very helpful and this is gospel for your spirit. What you're called to do will happen, but it will not happen by might. It will not happen by power. And this is where we're closing up today. But it's gonna happen by the spirit, says the Lord. Church, this is how you're going to do all that God has called you to by becoming a presence person, receiving God's word and allowing God's spirit to work through you to do all that you've been called to do. Now, that doesn't mean that you won't do anything. It doesn't mean that you get to be lazy. It doesn't mean that you get to say, well, you know, hey, if God's gonna do it, he knows my address. That's not what I'm talking about. Oh, you're gonna be working. And uh, you know how I know that? Because have you ever tried to surrender before? That's hard work. You know, it's not very glorious work. It doesn't allow us to, you know, uh, build up our ego in the midst of our surrender and repentance. But that's the work that God has called us to do. Presence people, church family. The work that we have to um, co-labor with the Spirit is a constant surrendering. It's a constant dependence. It's a constant repentance where the Holy Spirit's saying, I wanna accomplish the work that I've called you to. Remember that prophetic word? Well, go in this direction and we'll complete it together. And you're like, no, no, no. I wanna go in this direction, God, because I would like to get all of the credit. I would like to have a lot of attention in the midst of it. And the Lord's like, nope, you need to repent and get back on track. This is where we're going. That is hard work. But that's the work that we put in as we attempt to co-labor with the Spirit and journey into completed works in our lives. It's not by your might. It's not by your power. It's by His Spirit. The work of a presence person is to stay in the presence. The work of a presence person is to stay in the presence. And anybody that's attempted to do that for longer than 15 minutes knows that there is work in that. When we wanna do the work and we wanna get the credit, we leave the presence and then we start relying on our own strength and our own power. But church, that is not how God's works get accomplished in our lives. We must become presence people. We must be reminded that his is the kingdom, his is the power, and his is the glory. All right, let's finish up with this. Zechariah 4 and 7, who are you, O great mountain? Before, put your name in there, put your name in there. Before Lyle, you shall become a plain and shall bring forth the top stone amidst shouts of grace, grace to it. Uh, you, when you understand the history here, you understand the context of verse 7. It says, uh, the top stone, right? He's talking about rebuilding the temple. It's kind of like a coronation ceremony. It's kind of like when you watch sports and the MVP gets the trophy, like Michael Jordan, the GOAT. And he takes the trophy and he's like, look here, I'm the MVP, right? And, and, and then what happens normally when, I just snuck that in there. It was a low blow. I'm sorry, guys, for all of you guys who like LeBron. I, I, I gotta repent. But listen, um, we could do a different sermon on that. But whenever like an athlete gets an MVP trophy, in the midst of the season, they work really hard like everything is on them. But when they finally get the trophy, they get proper perspective, which is why I think like verse 10 says, uh, verse nine says, then you will know 
It's, it's once the top stone goes on, then you will know. It's once the top stone goes on and the project is complete, you're able to get perspective and begin to shout, grace, grace. It actually wasn't my works. It was the, it was the works of these amazing people around me. That's what you hear athletes say, right? It's so long as they're humble and they're not arrogant, right? But, but that's what happens with us when works get completed in our lives and, and, and people are looking at us like, you're awesome, you're amazing. You get up to receive the reward of the compliment and you're like, hold on, wait just a minute. It wasn't by my might. It wasn't by my power. It was by the Spirit. Grace, grace has this work been completed. This is not a work of Lyle. I've been filling my name in here. But this is a work of the Holy Spirit. This work has been completed by grace. Now I know, verse nine says, then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you for whoever has despised the day of small things shall now rejoice. And then you look with hindsight, hindsight being 2020, and you say, you know what? It will be God that does the greatest works in my life, not me. So I don't have to despise the days of small beginnings because early days in the presence are not small days. Any day in the presence is not a worthless day. Any time in the presence is not a worthless time because your perspective shifts and you start to see the end from the beginning, which is God's perspective, and you start to recognize that throughout the process, you may work, you may surrender, you may repent, but when this thing uh, finishes and coronates here, and it's, it's all at the end, right? You're gonna be completing that work, and you're gonna say nothing more than grace, grace. It's been by the Spirit. It's been by the Spirit. So let's close here today, church. I realize I kind of went a little long with this message. I guess I'm excited to share it with you because I think... One of, the, one of the key insights of becoming a presence person is allowing yourself to consistently stay dependent upon the Spirit and not dependent upon your own strength or your own might. You can accomplish a lot in your own strength, church. You can accomplish a lot in your own abilities, but you will never accomplish the ultimate work of God in either. It's only gonna be by your surrender and repentance and allowing God's Spirit to work through your life will you see that ultimate work come to pass. So as we close, let's read Philippians chapter three, verse three. It says, for we who worship by the spirit of God, we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. I think that's a good scripture to end on today. Lord, we finish today by saying that we are dependent uh, for all of my kings out there. Lord, I pray over them that they would become more dependent upon your spirit than they are on their strategies. Lord, I pray over all of the entrepreneurs and the business people and those who have a project in their heart like Zerubbabel. Lord, I pray that they would be, become so dependent upon your spirit that your wisdom and your plans and your strategy would move through their spirit as your Holy Spirit moves through them, God, and that they would complete the work of God in this season that you'd have for them. Lord, we just put ourselves on the altar today, Lord, and we say we are completely dependent upon you. We are completely dependent upon the Spirit. We no longer rely upon our might or our power. God, we repent for where we've relied upon our own strength and we exchange today our strength for your Spirit. Come fill us up today. Come fill us up today, Holy Spirit. Come lead us, Holy Spirit. Come shepherd and guide us, Holy Spirit. We want the work of God that has been prophesied over us to be completed. And so we say, we know it won't be by our strength, but by your Spirit, God. Come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. All right, church family, as the Holy Spirit moves in your lives and, 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 and picks you up this week, I want you to begin to expect 
for God's spirit to do spectacular things through you and begin to achieve and accomplish and execute on so many things that you've been unable to do over the past couple weeks. But as you've surrendered and repented to the spirit, the spirits begin to steward and bring about breakthrough. So I proclaim that over your lives. I believe in you guys so much. I wanna encourage you to stay surrendered. You're a presence person. You're a world changer. I love you and I bless you today in Jesus' mighty name. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.